Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Check this out. We have a great show for you today. Do remember, we are in fun drive right now, but you are still getting yourself a great program uh, that we work at putting together for you. Stuff that you, some that you may know on a small level, some that you may not know at all. That's why we are here. Politics Done Right, KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston. We're asking you to invest in this community radio station, but why? Because, folks, there's a lot of media out there. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. But it's not media that you control. It's not media that has your interests at hand. When we're talking about community radio, when we're talking about this community radio station, KPFT 90.1 FM, we're talking about a station that is solely funded by whom? You. And if it is funded by you, our loyalty is to you. Most other stations, commercial stations, they're funded by their advertisers and their advertiser needs to program you. And they need to have you in a particular modal. That is why our politics is so bad. Because we need you uninformed. Politics done right doesn't believe in that. Politics done right, KPFT 90.1 FM. Pacifica Network, we don't believe that. We believe that it is essential that you are in control. It is essential that you support us so that we can feed the ethos that we can give, we can enlighten with what is the absolute truth. In that light, I'm asking you to please call 713-526-5738 or go to kpft.org and support us. You can support us with a $25 membership, a $40 membership, or you can get any one of our gifts that you find there. Please do this in the name of Politics Done Right. Also, remember that you can get one of my several books out there 
as I see it, class warfare, the only resort to right wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right wing relatives, friends and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia. Take away the economy from those who rigged it. Pledge of $120. You can get any two of those books for $200. Any three of those books for $250. That is in, that is to support our station. And all those books, I promise you, give you all that you need to have that conversation across the board to ensure, to help us make a better America. So please support us. Please support KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Call 713-526-5738 or visit kpft.org. In the name of Politics Done Right, please select one of our books, several of our books, or one of our offers. We're here for you. You can get Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right. On YouTube Live at politicsunright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My handle is at Egberto Willis at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. Before you get started, please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds, KPFT in your minds. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support, that is there to provide what that nour- nourishment that we need. 713-526-5738. KPFT.org. Visit us online. Contribute online. KPFT. 90.1 FM. You can visit us at kpft.org. Welcome to one more edition of Politics on Random. Egberto Willis, your host today. I'm honored to have Harvey Wasserman, journalist, ex-author, you name it, in the, in the progressive activist movement. This is our man. This is our man. Harvey, how are you doing today, my brother? Egberto, it's always great to see you, bro. It's great to see you, man. It's great to see you. Let me tell you, first of all, um, let's let's talk a little bit about nuclear energy. It's interesting that we're going to talk about this now because this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I just got off a show where we were talking about the radioactivity that is found in coal ash. We were talking about what we're going to do about nuclear power versus whatever. I want to hear your point of view, but you've noticed that there's a hell of a lot happening. You sent me an article about Ron DeSantis kind of favoring nuclear as they try to kill solar. Give me the premise, sir. Okay, so the bottom line, uh, uh, Egberto, is that you are in the state that has electricity that's too cheap to meter. You are in Texas. And in Texas at night, in West Texas, the wind power is so strong that they give away electricity. Way back, you know, when, when they were selling nuclear power, they said, oh, it's gonna be too cheap to meter. 
Well, in West Texas now, it's too cheap to meter. The problem is we have nuclear power plants. We got South Texas. We got Diablo Canyon in California. And these plants are really, really old and they're falling apart and they're incredibly dangerous. And we have got to shut them all down. Now, we have this so-called progressive governor in California, uh, Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom. He's really tall. And I got to tell you, uh, Egberto, in the 20th century, every presidential election was won by the taller candidate. <laughs> so yeah, Gavin Newsom has a good shot. He's like 6'6", you know. So, but he is supporting the continued operation of two insanely dangerous nuclear power plants at Diablo Canyon, at San Luis Obispo. They are surrounded by earthquake faults. They are falling apart. They are uninspected. They are uninsured. There was a beautiful deal made to shut them all down by 2025. And now they're making all this crazy noise about keeping them open uh, much longer. It's absolutely insane. And I gotta point out to you that in South Texas, during the big freeze, where people were harmed and died. Died, over 700 died, yes. People died. The fact is that the South nuclear plant froze. The intake pipes froze. It's incredibly dangerous. Thank God the place didn't blow up. So all these nuclear plants, there are 92 nuclear reactors in the United States. They are, average age is 39. Whoa, 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 hold on. The average age of the United States power, the power plant is 39 years old? 39 years old. That means you're telling me there are some that may be 50 years old? Yes. I mean, it's ridiculous. The the, uh, pressure vessel, which contains the the reactor at Diablo Canyon, was actually built in 1967, the year I took my first acid trip. So, <laughs> so, you know, these, these are, are really dangerous reactors. They should not, the, the issue is no longer nuclear power. There's no longer big, vague, you know, philosophical, deep discussion it is safety. about atomic energy. It's all about the 92 individual reactors. Right. The two reactors at South Texas are a nightmare. If they were a car, you wouldn't drive them. Well, they're lemons. I remember when they were building them, it took, it, they, they had delay after delay and miss malconstruction over malconstruction. It was crazy when they were building it. Right. And they're, they're badly built. They're badly run. They're falling apart. They're incredibly dangerous. There, there is no reason whatsoever because to keep them operating, because Egberto, we're in the middle of one of the greatest technological revolutions in human history. And that is the move to solar energy. Everything about solar and wind and batteries and increased efficiency, you know, LED lighting has gone straight up. I tell you what, you need to make some explanation to people because I talk about back in store all the time. That is, there is nuclear, I mean, there's solar energy, there's wind energy. And the problem with those two forms of energies is that when the wind is not blowing and when the sun is not shining, you need a back in store. Now, there are a lot of technologies out there right now to provide battery power back in store, same difference. 
um, what are they that we can, uh, can ramp up to speed rather quickly? Well, every house, every home, and every commercial building and every factory in America should be, the roof should be covered with solar panels, except where you have some trees. Right. Some houses that are shaded by trees. Okay, so let's leave the trees where they are. But most, virtually every building in the country should have uh, panels on the rooftops. And in the basement, you have batteries. The batteries are fantastic. They work, they're efficient, they're cost-effective, there's no reason not to have them. Let me stop so, you right there now, okay? Uh, because like I was talking to the others, because I said I left myself open not to old nuclear power plants, but to some new technology talking about modular nuclear. I am not, I'm not up to speed on any of that. I'm an engineer, but I never took it took the time to learn about any of these. So my well, question to you, go ahead. Because you didn't, they're a waste of time. The okay. small modular reactors are not gonna happen. They're too expensive. They create nuclear waste. They're not cost competitive. They'll never be built. They could be blown up by terrorists. We do not need small nuclear reactors. Okay, fine. Let me go ahead now and, and, and probe you, my brother. And it goes as follows. Uh, all, what, what you, first of all, everything that you've just told me there, right, seems yeah. like a humongous economic boon potential. Okay? Yes. And, and, and first of all, however, I hate saying that because I'm not a I'm not one of those guys that are that's a capitalist that to do good we always have to see a profit motive. That's not me. I think to do good we need to do good. And we need to have an economic system that justifies doing good. But for those who are capitalists, it seems to me like if we don't have crooked politicians, that what you just mentioned, and that's why I have a special question for you, would be a employment boon like no other if you fly over houston right now just houston one city you talk about trees there ain't no trees to cover most of the rooftops out here right it seems to me like the amount of work that is out there over a 10-year period to put solar panels and install batteries in every home every building would create a a cascading effect of employment and productivity. Am I right? You are 100% right. The, the, the switch to renewable energy away from coal, oil, nukes, and gas, which I call King Kong, mm -hmm. is the biggest future job provider in the history of the world. And I say that, I, you know, I have a history book that I've sent you. It's called The People's Spiral of U.S. History. Anybody want a free copy, you can email me. Solartopia at Gmail. And again, the people spiral of your history, Solartopia at Gmail. And in this book, I lay out the transition from fossil fuels and nuclear power to renewable energy. There are 70, 70,000 people in California alone working in renewable energy. There are more people working in California in renewable energy than there are in the whole country digging coal. Texas has tens of thousands of people working in the wind industry. It's there amazing. You can, you can find the trucks constantly on the roads here going to rural Texas with these humongous blades day after day. Yes. And they work. And, and they, they are incredibly cheap. Like I say, wind power at night in West Texas 
is too cheap to meter. So, no, no you, so I won't interrupt case, you. Real quick, real quick though. Here's a case where capitalism and the popular good have come together. Because even if you didn't care about the environment, if you didn't care about human welfare or anything else, all you cared about was making money, you would go 100% solar. That's, that's where it's at now. It is the cheapest, fastest to build, most job producing technology in the history of the planet. All right, now let me ask you the next question because if uh, what you're talking mostly I think is every rooftop being solar and every basement, well in Houston it wouldn't be basement, every garage or whatever would have batteries as your back in store. Now right. my question to you as follows, it takes a hell of a lot of lithium and other rare earths to create the current, using current battery technology. And I understand that mining of these rare earths, uh, you know, again, I don't have the data, you, the data you probably right. do. Uh, do we have the sufficiency to mine? I know that there's some, some of that, those rare earths for these batteries, lithium, et cetera, right here in the United States, we have some areas in Colorado and other places that have it. And I know uh, other places like Afghanistan and these places are full of, full of it and some parts of South America. Do we have the capacity to mine if mine without creating other problems to build these batteries without moving from one problem to another? You got to remember about lithium. It is a problem, but it's not plutonium and it's not uranium. And so the problems that we have with lithium are significant, but we can transcend them. There are all forms of, uh, there, there's a huge amount of money to be made to people who find the alternatives to lithium and they are being found. So yes, lithium is a problem and also cobalt, but th those two, we will transcend. And in the meantime, the benefits from using these minerals in solar panels and in batteries is absolutely essential to saving the earth and saving the economy. Okay, my, my question again, though, is that, uh, because this is a question that I have a lot of my right-wingers on my program would ask all the time, and that is, are we transitioning from one form of pollution to another? In other words, is the mining of uh, lithium and cobalt and all these earths, rare earths that we need, are mining these materials going to create less problems than, let's say, the, the burning up the earth, if you will. Much less. Yes, the problems are much less. And we hope within a few years to be done with lithium and cobalt and find substitutes. But in all these years, they've not found substitutes for uranium or plutonium. So we are well aware that there are problems with lithium and cobalt, and they will be transcended. But in the meantime, the benefits far outstrip the, the, the drawbacks. And the other thing you got Remember, uh, Egberto, is in addition to having solar panels on your rooftops, which will power your home and which will charge your batteries, you will also have plug-in, and many car, many houses have this now, a plug-in for your car. Right. Where you, where you will no longer have to go to the gas station. Even today, with a plug-in hybrid, they may only get 25, 30, 35 miles per charge. Most people don't drive more than 35 or 40 miles a day. So in, in most cases, if you have a plug-in on your house, 
for your car, you will never go to the gas station. <clears throat> and gas uh, uh, electric cars are three to five times more efficient than gas driven automobiles. So it's a huge transition that's all happening at once. We are very glad for the dialogue on lithium and cobalt. It's essential and we will find substitutes, but remember they are not plutonium and uranium. You know, when, when we have these conversations, that is important because like I said, I have the, I have a, the following that I have for uh, politics done right. We have a lot of folks on the right and you know, they do bring up legitimate questions that need to be answered. And I'm glad that you answered that one honestly about lithium and cobalt. I think it's extremely important that we understand that it isn't going to be some panacea of one, you know, of 100% cleanliness in, in this new technology, but that we transition to be better. We transition to be less damaged. We transition to keep the earth alive. Well, the goal is to have all this stuff that's going into wind and solar. And, and wind, by the way, does not have the same challenges that solar does. I, I mean, the, the use of rare earths in windmills is very, very limited. And we are going to get a huge percentage of our electricity from offshore windmills, which now, are when we we always talk about whenever we talk batteries. We you know I'm an engineer, so I I I, I think in you know I, I always think methodically in in certain in certain devices. And when you look at um, batteries, a battery doesn't have to be a lithium battery stored right. in the basement. A battery can be water stored at a higher level, pumped to a higher level, not as efficient as lithium. A battery can be an electrolysis machine separating hydrogen and oxygen from water. The hydrogen that you burn later on, that burning hydrogen is actually, the, the, the results of burning hydrogen is water. So there's a lot of forms of batteries that we can have, lithium being what everybody thinks of one all of the time, right. but there are other now, forms. And since you're an engineer, I want to give you another Heads up on it. Uh, um, and I, this is a, a, something that people don't think about. But the irony is that solar panels, photovoltaic cells, work better when they're cool. Yes. Heat is not. So that's why Colorado is actually the best state for solar, because you have 300 days of sun and it's cold in the winter. Right. But one of the unforeseen and very important uses of solar panels will be floating solar panels on reservoirs and on the aqueducts. Because it, uh, if you, we have them, they're in China, they're very easy to make. You make a solar panel and instead of putting it on a rooftop, you float it on a body of water. And when you do that, you cool the solar panel and you cut evaporation right. by at least half. So I think the number one place in the world where the next round of solar panels should go is to float them on the California aqueduct and on what's left of Lake Mead and of all your reservoirs in Texas, because we need obviously to preserve the water. I mean, Lake Mead is almost gone for God's sakes. The Colorado river no longer reaches the ocean. We have to stop burning fossil and nuclear fuels. And the only way we can do that is to make this fantastic transition to renewables. I'll tell you real quick, Egberto, in 1970s, we, we, they, they wanted to build a nuclear plant near my hippie farm and we stopped them. Nobody gave us a snowball's chance, but we stopped them. 
And when people said, well, what are you going to do for the power? We said uh, wind or solar. We had no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, you know, it was a Hail Mary. But it turned out if you had said, if you had taken how efficient and cost effective solar panels are now and projected that in the 1970s, nobody would have believed it. Right. It had just gone straight off the charts. It's amazing, this technology. So part of it kind of makes you believe in a divine sort of a, a hand here, where the very technologies that we need to uh, uh, save our economy are the same technologies that we need to save the ecology or the earth. You know, it, it is amazing. I mean, uh, you, you wonder, because we know that the reason a lot of this information isn't really spoken about as you have just now is because the oil industry have their tentacles all over to suppress this type of information because uh, that means them failing much quicker than they expect to fail because you know they're invested in, in green energy right now because they know what's coming but they yeah. want to use their cheap sources of energy as, as much as they can before it goes away. Well they're hedging their bets. Right. And, uh, this is about the turning point. We're at the point, Egberto, where the wind and solar and battery and efficiency and organic farming and electric cars, all these kind of hippie dreams are, gonna, are, are turning the point to where they can be economically bigger than fossil and nuclear fuels and the old chemical agriculture. And the, the reality is that the visions that we had 50 years ago have all proven to be economically more viable than the old technology. Especially for the long term. Yes. Because when we talk about fossil fuels, we have two problems, right? The first problem is, the, is, is getting more access to, I mean, look, let, let's first be frank. Peak oil with our technology today, there's no such thing in my opinion as peak oil, right? Because these guys are finding all kinds of source of hydrocarbons, all in, including when the permafrost melts, it's loaded with hydrocarbons, right? So, um, but what, what's interesting is that um, uh, we found now that it's a lot more efficient. It makes a lot more sense and you get a lot cleaner results and you, 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 you get to mitigate in the long run these weather conditions that we're having. It may take 50 years to, to, to turn that around, but... There, there is no bad answer, I guess, is the is what I'm saying. Well, the, the point is, all these right-wingers, all these industry, industry people who are whining about how much it costs to save the environment. The bottom line is, it's, the opposite is true. What the technologies that will save the environment are the technologies that will make our economy boom and that will provide the jobs. And that is, Harvey, that is the hardest message to get across and it's not the, the problem is this harvey it's not you know when we talk about our right-wing brothers and sisters right unfortunately yeah they're right-wing in in their conservative beliefs but it's the industrialist the capitalist uh uh, uh methodology uh, uh framing that they have the, the they have the necessary wealth to misinform and to use psychological methods to do it how do we get around that because i'm telling you i've it takes me so much time 
to talk to somebody who's been indoctrinated into the belief that somehow what they're doing is more viable or the only solution than what we know has to be the solution? You know, it's, it's a question of vested interests. And we're now having vested interests in the renewable industry that are gonna dwarf the coal, oil, nuke, and gas guys. And the question is, can we survive? Uh, you know, uh, can we shut the nuclear plants before the next one blows up and wipes out our economy? Because it will. Look at what Fukushima almost did. Yes. And will, will we be able to shut the fossil fuel industries before they burn the planet? It's going to be a very close call. The good news is we have the technologies to do it, and they make sense. So when you hear these right-wingers whining about the cost of saving the environment, they're completely wrong. It's the opposite. The future of the economy is right where the future of the ecology is. Look at organic gardening, for example. Organic farming is so much more cost-effective and so much more long-term healthy for the environment than chemical agriculture and monoculture. It's ridiculous. And so, you know, whereas we were hippies back in the 60s and 70s and not using chemicals and it was like this little boutique thing, now you got Whole Foods and all these other places, billion dollar industries that are vested in organics. Well, you know what? The Ukraine war has shown us, RV, because Ukraine and Russia produce so much of that nitrous phosphate, I mean, that, uh, uh, fertilizers that we, that's needed all around the world. It is shown that when you have that corporate dependency for your food supply, what really happens, which brings you right back around to why we should develop real structured organic farming. Well, listen, you know, if, if the world had converted when it should have to renewable energy, the war in Ukraine would not be happening. Right. That is an energy war. And our gas prices are going up. That's not because of Biden. It's because of Putin. For God's sakes, you know, Putin is the guy who's created all the shortages. And it's our dependency that has really uh, made this a nightmare. Look at, for example, at France. France has been the poster child for atomic energy. Right. They have somewhere between 50 and 60 reactors. They're getting 70 or 80 percent of their oh, electricity yeah. from nukes. So they're saying now, oh, look how Fran lucky France is. They're not dependent on the Russian gas. They can use their nuclear plants. <laughs> Half the reactors in France are shut now because they're cracked. They're old. The rivers are too hot to cool them. They are in really, really deep trouble because of nuclear power. And the same is true of Texas and California. You know, the South Texas reactors, they should be shut immediately. Cal and Texas should be 100% on wind. Texas, by far, has more wind energy than any other any state. Any other state. And you, would, you wouldn't believe that being the oil capital of the world, right? Well, it's not going to be long. Yeah. It won't be for long. Right. There, there's way more money in wind energy in Texas. It's wind energy in, East Tech, in West Texas and solar energy in East Texas. Now, let me ask you something. I, I, we got to close out now, but uh, this segment out, but... Um, what are your thoughts on wave energy? Wave energy is possibility. Waves go up and down. Right. They're perpetual. Um, there, there are ways to do it that make a lot of sense. 
Uh, there's also geothermal energy, which is being been used very successfully in Iceland. Um, yeah, there's tidal energy. You know, the tides go when in the and tide out. Come in and come out. And yeah. That, one of my favorites is underwater current. There's a windmill underwater in Norway. The problem is salt. Yeah. But, you know, um, they they stuck this thing under the water. The current is way stronger and way more. Uh, um, steady than the wind than the wind but i'm going to tell you egberto the the united states of america in less than 10 years could be a hundred percent on wind power alone you know solar is great i love solar and it should be on every rooftop but if you take the wind from the dakotas down to west texas and then off the shores and in the great lakes and in the gulf of mexico we could we could have free electricity tomorrow, right. you know. It's and we've been dragging our feet because of the power of the coal, oil, nuke, and gas industries. We got to stop that. Arve Wasserman, author extraordinaire as well as activist, environmentalist, journalist. Thank you so kindly for having been on well, Politics and Right. Thank you. I'll send you all your listeners my book, The People's Spiral of U.S. History. Just write me at Solartopia. And Egberto, you're the greatest. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Do remember, we are in Fun Drive right now, but you are still getting yourself a great program uh, that we work at putting together for you. Stuff that you, some that you may know on a small level, some that you may not know at all. That's why we're here. Politics Done Right, KPFT 90.1 FM. Houston, we're asking you to invest in this community radio station, but why? Because, folks, there's a lot of media out there, but it's not media that you control. It's not media that has your interests at hand. When we're talking about community radio, when we're talking about this community radio station, KPFT 90.1 FM. We're talking about a station that is solely funded by whom? You. And if it is funded by you, our loyalty is to you. Most other stations, commercial stations, they're funded by their advertisers and their advertiser needs to program you. And they need to have you in a particular modal. That is why our politics is so bad. Because we need you uninformed. Politics done right doesn't believe in that. Politics done right, KPFT 90.1 FM, Pacifica Network, we don't believe that. We believe that it is essential that you are in control. It is essential that you support us so that we can feed the ethos that we can give, we can enlighten with what is the absolute truth. In that light, I'm asking you to please call 713-526-5738 or go to kpft.org and support us. You can support us with a $25 membership, a $40 membership, or you can get any one of our gifts that you find there, please do this in the name of Politics Done Right. Also, remember that you can get one of my several books out there 
As I see it, class warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia. Take away the economy from those who rigged it. Pledge of $120. You can get any two of those books for $200. Any three of those books for $250. That is in, that is to support our station. And all those books, I promise you, give you all that you need to have that conversation across the board to ensure, to help us make a better America. So please support us. Please support KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Call 713-526-5738 or visit kpft.org. In the name of Politics Done Right, please select one of our books, several of our books, or one of our offers. We're here for you. You can get Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right. On YouTube Live at politicsunright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My handle is at Egberto Willis at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. Before you get started, please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. KPFT in your minds. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support, that is there to provide what that nourishment that we need. 713-526-5738. KPFT.org. Visit us online. Contribute online. KPFT. 90.1 FM. You can visit us at kpft.org. Today, we have the honor of speaking to Dr. Anand Bhatt. I always call him my millennial doctor <laughs> buddy. How you doing, Anand? How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing uh, okay. I have COVID and I'm trying to recover, but I'm taking the pills. I'm feeling a little bit better. So but, you're taking uh, Paxlovid, right? Yes, I am. I am. I got it for uh, oh, $6. It's not bad. Well, actually, you should have gotten it for free, but you know, you're a doctor, so maybe they, they charge you anyway. But here's the deal. Um, before we even get into some of what I want to talk to you about, you had this interesting conversation at, I think it was at a restaurant covering college. And since we hear, you know, uh, since we talk about college here and Pete, the debt that people are in college here, give me that story about this woman who found out. And Zurich, well, in in uh, what what town it was? Zurich, Switzerland. Yes, yes. seven hundred francs per semester to go to school. That's it, and that's not even for school. That's for books and yeah. a room and board. Yeah, Talk to yeah, me about yeah. That. I was in Switzerland. I took a walking tour, and uh, there were uh, some Americans there, and there was a family from Massachusetts, and uh, uh, the uh, tour guide was telling us, you know that the number one university in continental Europe is ETH Zurich, which is the uh, technical college, which is Google's biggest office outside of California is actually in Zurich. And uh, she says, well, you know, education is public. It's state. We have no private universities in Switzerland. We uh, charge 700 francs a semester. It's not for tuition. It's for books and, and room and other supplies. Uh, and uh, that's how much school costs. Uh, let me let like me stop there. you for a second. Exactly what is francs in dollars? 
So usually it's like uh, one franc is a dollar ten, but right now it's about equal. Okay, so, good. Yeah. So, so seven hundred dollars has to come out of somebody's pocket who wants to go to college. Yeah. And they get and, room and board. Yes. And then she says, you know, I don't know what it's like in America. I, I heard it's three, four, five thousand dollars. You like, laughed. And, and I was like laughing because I, I was like, no, we wish it was three, four, five thousand dollars. And this lady who lived in Massachusetts is like, oh, oh, but you must be paying so much in taxes to, to pay for these things. This is very, uh, uh, very cheap. And I said, well, you either pay for it in taxes or you pay for it in the poverty of young people. So there's, you pay for it either way. So you can make young people poor or you can pay it rationally. And then she said, oh, or their parents can pay for it. And I said, yeah, not everyone has parents and not everyone has parents that can and will afford it. And it's not normal to have dozens of colleges that charge $60,000, which is what Boston is um, in the world. That's, that's not normal. So she didn't really uh, care for that explanation, but um, you know, I had to stand up for the regular Americans and not the uh, very rich Americans who get to travel to Switzerland. I, but you, you know what is so funny it, that how easy it was for her to come out of her mouth that, Oh, if the kids don't pay, the parents will uh, not realizing that most, I mean, we, we, we already made the fact that 80% of Americans couldn't handle a $400 incidental imagine that and you have a person traveling to europe who here's a good thing that we need to export to the united states and she says oh well the parents can do it we're export no no i I disagree export export free higher education was invented by america the first public high school in the history of the world is boston latin which is 400 years old where Benjamin Franklin dropped out of. America invented free high school, okay? In 1900, the United States was the only country where people were routinely going to high school. That's why we have basketball. You know why we have basketball, Egberto? No, I don't. Because we had all these teenagers who were going to uh, high school for the first time, and there was no sport for them to do in the winter up north. So they invented basketball. That's why we have these gyms, and that's how you have... Uh, gyms throughout uh, uh, America, which is why basketball is able, you know, I'm from uh, Beaumont, Texas. We have a famous basketball player, not from my high school, but from the other school in my school district. And it's universal. Access to basketball is universal in the United States. You can be an NBA player literally for the Boston Celtics and be from the poorest high school in my hometown. But, uh, you know, if you want to be an actor or an engineer from the poorest high school in my district, that's not going to happen. But you do have universal access to basketball. We invented so many things and the other people seem to have perfected it because now your kids get educated. Google builds your biggest, second largest plant out in Zurich in a country that's much smaller than ours because they have an educated population because people can afford it. Yeah, um, it's it's amazing. And I have to tell people this. So I was like, yeah, we the University of Texas, where we both went, was $50 in 1970. Mm-hmm. It was cheaper than $700. Let me tell you, when I came to the States, right, I, 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 you, while you had in-state tuition, I started at out-of-state tuition. When I went to school, the people in-state was paying, they were paying $4 per semester hour. When I came, I was paying $40 per semester hours that was back that's i'm an old man that's long time ago and that was uh let me let me tell you that was 10 in other words you paid 10 times the amount the in-state person paid okay it is just amazing and now you know 
it's it, I imagine now it's all, you know what I paid for as a, a out of state foreign student is what they pay now plus more as in state Texas. It's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. no, I I agree. I agree. But you know, um, you you've been uh, you've been out now working in Louisiana in the medical. You, you you're a doctor out there, and you're starting a new field. What you've seen? How how has our healthcare system, from what you've seen, what you've worked with, gotten over the last let's say few years that you've started practicing? Uh, there's so many problems with the American healthcare system. It's not even easy to answer because. Um, we had a recent person who became a faculty member here on a visa and she had only practiced in New Jersey and California. And now that she was in Louisiana, she was shocked because she never worked in an area that was underserved. Like the number of doctors was underserved. Right. So we have a lot. So when you're in a place like, and not just Louisiana, but most of Eastern Texas, like if you're not in Houston or Dallas, but you're in the Eastern part of Texas, there's not enough doctors. And what happens is you have mostly people seeing nurse practitioners or nobody uh, 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 out there. So I don't think I, I, I mean, I knew it was there as an issue when I lived in Cleveland and in, in other places. But now I'm in Louisiana. I see very acutely that the absolute number of doctors living where they need to live is very, very limited. That's even before you get to health insurance, cost of drugs, cost of uh, this and that and the other. But just physically, there's not enough doctors in the right places. And I think that's totally um, unknown. And I would say you're worse off being poor and rural than being poor and urban. Um, Huey Long, the government owns several charity hospitals throughout the state. They're owned in um, Pineville, Shreveport, Monroe, New Orleans, uh, Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Yeah. So they had a state and it wasn't a county hospital system like you have in Texas where only Ben Taub in Houston and, and whatever. It was a state hospital system because those towns were too poor to support it. So the state built them. Bobby Jindal became governor and he sold them uh, to uh, uh, private companies. Uh, but the thing was, nobody was going to see these patients who were on Medicaid. So say you're on Medicaid and you live in North Louisiana um, for example, uh, and you need to see a rheumatologist, there's nobody to see you in 100, 200 miles. Like the geographic barriers are huge. Until recently, there was no Medicaid dermatologist north of Baton Rouge. So that's two thirds of the state had no access to a dermatologist. They hired one guy and he's completely overworked. He had to like close his schedule. He needs to hire multiple people. That's how busy he is in Shreveport. Um so that's that's an enormous issue. Now, one thing that I did. Wait, but let know, me let me see if I understand you correctly. Bobby Jindal, he went ahead and sold hospitals that otherwise would have been able to take care of those people. Is what you're saying? So the government directly of the state of Louisiana owned these hospitals. The uh, in the quote, I mean, this is Louisiana in the bigger cities. I mean, right. The, city, the, the towns are microscopic out here. Okay. Right. What is interesting is. Most of the parishes, which is what they call counties here, right. still own a small hospital. Okay. And in that way, you probably are more served in a rural parish in Louisiana than in Texas. Because pretty much every little parish owns, I mean, it may be a Band-Aid station, so it may not be that great. But right. the parish, directly, indirectly, or through some sort of nonprofit corporation, seems to own a, a parish hospital in almost every parish. The larger hospitals that are worthy of being called a hospital 
were owned by the state. There was like five to 10 of them. I can't tell you how many, but he sold them. And um, it ended up being a big corruption of privatization because the uh, contracts, contracts would have to be signed with a private company and they would manage it. And basically lawyers and people. And when the governor changed to the current governor, he changed the contracts to different uh, uh, hospital system from New Orleans. And now they're running things in a very for-profit manner, but they are supposed to be taking care of the traditional indigent. population. Yes. Yeah. The indigent population. So, yeah. But they don't Now th- th- That is sad. So I mean, so what, what you're saying is really no improvement over these last few years. It's just simply has gotten worse and for profit, has entered its tentacles even further into what was was a, was a, a pretty good public system. Yes. I mean, uh, yes, because the idea that Huey Long had uh, 80 or 100 years ago was basically at the time before the Great Depression, the only medical school was Tulane and it was private. And he invented this idea that I'm going to create a government hospital with an attached medical school, which is LSU. And that hospital is going to be learning research and implementing it on the people of Louisiana. So it would be a public hospital with a public purpose, with a public medical school. So research, science, service all go together. Um, So it was the best medical education for the people, for the many, not the few. Uh, That was the idea. That is amazing. Now, anyway, now my friend, You've got COVID and you're home and you can't move and you just have to quarantine for the next 10 days. I know you're probably going crazy, even though you're on Paxlovid and all that good stuff. Let me ask you this. What's your thoughts on COVID these days? How are we managing it? Are we what's what are your thoughts? Do you think it's going to be with us for a while? Is it going to become a cold? What where are we headed? I don't know. I mean, they keep saying it will be. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, because really. There are some people, and I'm not an expert on this, and I've seen so many people change their tune. I think everybody's become a politician in public health. I don't know who to believe. You know, there were countries like New Zealand and Australia who were doing the Chinese zero COVID policy, you know, and uh, um, that would be one very severe approach, but it doesn't affect your day to day life uh, when it's working. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think. Um, with the number of mutations that keep happening in a globalized world, is there a solution short of a zero international zero COVID solution? I don't know. Will it eventually moderate and not be as deadly? I, I don't know. Long COVID. Well, any virus can moderate to either become less or more deadly, right? You don't That's, know which direction they're going to go. I know. But, but historically, you know, these things would die down because there wasn't that much travel. Right. You know? But now there is. And, um, I was just listening to a podcast about polio and uh, apparently yes. they used to shut down pools and theaters in the, in the summers yes. in the 1950s. Um, I, then I heard about um, handwashing didn't become common in American culture until the 1919 flu epidemic. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know, but one thing is for sure um, it is said, and, and you'll like this, do, do you know the origins of capitalism come out of the, uh, come out of a pandemic? I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's said that when the Black Death occurred in the 1300s um, in England, so many people died that they had to start paying people instead of having them being like feudal serfs. Right. So right. You pay people in the Middle Ages. 
well, right, capitalism, because people had to, you, you couldn't get them otherwise. You couldn't get them because they died. And, and so there was a labor shortage, like now. People started asking for money, more money, like now. And it led to the end of feudalism was the Black Death. So wars and pandemics uh, have always changed the world. Uh, uh, well, going well let's, to- hope, <laughs> let's hope that we start getting into more of a collective as people don't only say we want money but they start to say, we want the company who we're making things for, right? Now, when that happens, that will, be, uh, that will be the beginning of my, what I wrote about my utopia, you know? That, that's when that comes. Anyway, Anand, uh, we got to get out of here. <clears throat> so as usual, you know what I always ask you at the end, and that is, tell me something that you want our audience to know that uh, we don't actually know or that we should know or enlighten us with something that occurred with you on your visit to Europe. I think you had somebody tell you, why do you not like America? Which what you're just saying is, no, they, they're doing a great job here in these parts of Europe. Maybe we should start emulating them. I, uh, I, I, <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you an interesting story, but I do have one classmate of mine who did OBGYN. And uh, she settled in Germany. And after Roe versus Wade, she finally filed for German citizenship. She says, wow. I can't go back. She's like, high risk uh, obstetrics. I can't come back to Texas. I can't come back to Missouri. So, um, yeah, I have some friends thinking about emigrating, which I, I think that's the, the new news I've heard. A lot of progressive minded people are thinking about moving uh, from the U.S. So it's um, I think. Uh, some changes are afoot. That's, uh, that's, you know, I mean, this, we're doing everything necessary to lose our best minds. I tell you what's interesting. I interviewed a guy, I think he's in Norway Mm -hmm. and he left the United States because of our healthcare system. And he, his, his kid got paralyzed and got much better in, in the healthcare system in Norway. And I, I ran that story and that story went viral all over the world, actually, with this guy who told, the ills of the American uh, medical system compared to Norway. And it, it is amazing that the things that we're doing, whether it be Roe versus Wade, whether it be for profit, hospitalization and medical health care, there's a lot that we're going to have to change. And it's people like you and I who stay here, progressives who stay here, that's going to actually get this change done. Anand, go ahead. Oh, one more thing. Um, I haven't looked into it too much, but I saw in the Wall Street Journal that Amazon bought a medical practice. Yes, they did. So we are looking at direct corporate slavery of doctors. And yes. I was telling somebody that once they've squeezed the poor, which they've done forever, then they squeeze the lower middle, then the middle. Now they're going to squeeze the upper middle. And then the last two things that the capitalist system wants to squeeze is eat the last seeds of growth, which are education. Okay. In Texas, they're calling the, the these politicians are calling the, uh, uh, teachers, groomers, and they're just ruining the reputation of public education so they can privatize that and eat those seeds. And then the healthcare system, they're trying to eat the last seeds out of that because of those are the only things that any capitalist with any brains understands that those two are essential to create the workforce you need to run your companies. But when you start eating even the seed corns, then you've reached peak neoliberalism. So, Dr. Anand Bhatt, thank you so kindly for having been on politics done right. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, 
Class warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it how to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions from my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. You can listen and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politicsdoneright or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all Central Time. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT on your mind. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support. That is there to provide that nourishment that we need. KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Well, folks, that's it for today. You know how I'm going to end this baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage.